Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came, ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciple, Why does your teacher eat with, with tax collectors and sinners? On, on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. It's good to see James more mobile again. I just want to dispel a rumor. It's absolutely not true that James injured his foot by dropping an industrial-sized jar of Nutella on it in a haste to get into it. I know that rumor has been circulating, and I'd just like to say, James, we'll deny that rumor. Your secret is safe with me. So we're going to speak this morning and look at what does it mean to follow Jesus? Have you ever felt like you've been in the right place at the right time? For me, one of the uh, times like that was we were on holiday in Australia and we were at the beach. I think it was uh, Manly Beach. I believe they named the beach after me. And um, we were on the beach there and it was a perfect day. And you think, how could it get any more perfect? And then this guy came along and said, there's a new ice cream shop opened. And so it's free ice cream all day. You just go and ask and they'll give you. And I thought, this is perfect, isn't it? The right place at the right time. And so we didn't need to be asked twice. So we got up, we left everything, and we went to the ice cream shop. And here we have a very similar thing with Matthews. There's no Haagen-Dazs involved. Uh, Other ice cream brands are available, particularly the Lidl Fake Magnums, which I particularly recommend as being better than real Magnums. But anyway, so Matthew is there, he's at his job, and Jesus comes in that place, in that time, at that moment, with a very simple word, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Matthew's life was forever changed because he responded to the call of Jesus. When I look at my life and I look back and I think about the fact that at some point when I was about 11 years old, I responded to the call of Jesus saying, follow me. And I want you to think today, When did Jesus speak those words to you and say, follow me? Maybe you're sitting here today and through this message, Jesus wants to speak those words to you. Come and follow me. It's amazing when we look at the kind of people that Jesus calls. You know, so much of the time we look for experts. What we see is Jesus didn't look for experts, but for learners. Jesus looked for people who were teachable. Jesus looked for people who would respond in the time and the moment. Jesus looked for those who were prepared to follow after him. Maybe today that is you. 
So let's start. Firstly, Jesus says, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. I want us to think a little bit about this man, Matthew. He's, um, he's sitting in a tax booth doing his job. He, he's in his nine to five. He's doing what is the regular part of his life. And it is in that place that he hears the call to follow Jesus. Do you know, one thing I've learned over the years is that so much of the time, Jesus does the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary and the mundane. You know, don't look for the spectacular in life. I believe that just in the ordinary way that we live lives, that's the context to following Jesus. Just in the simple, in the everyday You know, for Matthew, he was perhaps an unlikely person to be called as uh, as somebody who was a tax collector, somebody who was involved in taking revenue and giving it to an unpopular king and to the Romans, somebody who was probably unjust, somebody who was helping out a foreign occupying power. That wouldn't have made him very popular. Their integrity was often questioned. They weren't people who were seen as being straight up. And it's interesting that Jesus calls someone like that. Jesus didn't call simply people who, were, uh, who got straight A's in being a spiritual person. Jesus didn't call people with, uh, simply with uncomplicated lives. Jesus called ordinary, everyday people often in the midst of their own sin. Jesus calls out of a sinful life. Jesus doesn't call just good and honest people. And it's really important that we understand that. Sometimes we can think that we have to be good enough to follow Jesus. I've heard it says that Jesus doesn't call the qualified Rather, Jesus qualifies the called. Jesus speaks to everyday people. Jesus came not for the righteous, but for sinners. Jesus came for the broken, for the lost. Jesus came for the selfish, for the idolater. Jesus came for those who steal. Jesus came for those whose lives are marred by sin. And the reality is that is all of us. The only thing that can, in one sense, keep us from being called is the sense of feeling like we already have it in and of ourselves. And so Jesus meets Matthew and he calls him. Now, it's likely that Matthew would have known about Jesus already. And yet at that time and moment, Jesus speaks the simple words, follow me. Some of us here, we've been investigating what it is to be a follower of Jesus. We've been looking from afar. Maybe those words today, follow me, are for you. It's interesting. Jesus um, calls Matthew onto a journey with him, not a destination. I like the idea that uh, Jesus doesn't say, come with me for lunch. 
or come with me for dinner or come with me just to another city or come with me to you know Stratford Westfield or whatever but he says follow me it is a journey not a destination and in one sense that's so important that we understand that for Matthew the call was not just to spend a day with Jesus but to spend his life following after him. It's an overused cliche, but it was the first day of the rest of his life. And the call of Jesus is not just to a place. It is not just for a day. It is not just for a season. It's not just for obedience in the moment. The call of Jesus is not just to pray a prayer or even to go to church. The call of Jesus is onto a lifelong journey of following him. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. We're not called just for the day or the week or the month. We're not called specifically to a destination. We are called to a person, Jesus, and to follow him. We are called to a life of obedience. It's a choice every day to get up and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. Yes, there's that time and point in life when we surrender to God, when by faith in Jesus we are made new, when we decide I am going to put my trust in him. But it's the start of a lifelong journey. And I want to challenge you today, those of you who are Christians, how is your following going? Not how is the prayer that you prayed 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40. Anybody been a Christian over 50 years in this room? Uh, Yeah, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Years following Jesus. Look around at the examples in here, people who have been following Jesus For years and years. We're called to a lifelong journey. We're called to follow Jesus through good times and through bad. Jesus doesn't say, follow me and it's all going to be great. Jesus doesn't say, follow me and we'll have a whale of a time. Jesus simply says, follow me. And that's a call in every season of life and through every circumstance in life. Through the good times, through the bad times. You know, the picture we have, you know, in marriage is very similar. You know, marriage is a, a beautiful thing, but it's a lifelong commitment. And some days it feels great, and other days it may not. Some days life is going brilliantly, other days it's hard, but the commitment remains. So following Jesus is a call to lifelong obedience through good times and bad. Through poverty or prosperity. And you know, for many of us in our life, there will be seasons of both of those things. Seasons of abundance where we have a lot and seasons where we have little. Through poverty and prosperity, but also through peace and through persecution. There are times when there is such a peace in following Jesus And life seems fantastic. And there are times when life is turmoil and chaos. And the interesting thing is the peace can be the same right in the middle of the chaos 
as it can be when everything is good. Jesus says to his disciples that they will face difficulty because of their decision to follow him. In John 15, Jesus warns the disciples that some will even hate them because they are his followers, because they also hate Jesus. And the Bible is really clear that following Jesus gives us great joy. But also there will be times of toughness and difficulty. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 to 12 says this, You, however, Paul writes to Timothy, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, love, patience, endurance, persecutions, suffering. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus gives a joy in life, a purpose in life, but also along with it comes suffering and persecution. And Paul, as he writes to Timothy, says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus to some extent, will be persecuted. There's something for all of us to realize there that we are called to follow Jesus not only in the good times, but in the difficult times as well. Jesus calls Matthew and says, Follow me. Not follow me as long as the feelings are there, not follow me so long as it all goes swimmingly, but simply to follow on. Some of the most inspiring things I've ever seen in my life are followers of Jesus remaining faithful even in the midst of tremendous difficulty. It's one of the things I love about church is that we get to see up close and personal the struggles, the openness, the highs and lows of a community that follows Jesus together. We get to learn from the examples of others we get to learn from their perseverance. We get to learn from their humility. We get to learn from their patience. Because as well as it not being a journey, as well as it being a journey and not a destination, it's a team thing, not a solo effort. You know, perhaps one of the worst things at times in our culture is that we emphasize just me and Jesus. But actually, we are called together. Now, I, uh, I watched a, an interview with uh, Jordan Henderson recently, the Liverpool captain. And they were talking about, you've won all these things as captain. And it's really interesting. He said, as captain, I've won nothing. Together, as a team, we won. And I think that actually following Jesus ought to be the same way. It's not just what happens to me, but together as we follow Jesus, we follow along with the others he calls. And we don't get to pick the team. We don't get to pick Jesus' team. Jesus is in charge and he picks the team. And we've got to just go along with it. And one of the interesting things about that is that means he brings us together 
with people that are different to us. As a church, our absolute commitment is to being a multicultural, multi-generational church. A church not of people who are all the same, but of people who are different, sharing life together. And it's in our differences that we become more like Jesus. It's really interesting. Jesus called Matthew as a tax collector, but he also called a zealot. And zealots did a good line in killing tax collectors. So it's kind of interesting. Jesus calls two very different people who would normally be at each other's throats. And he says, follow me. Follow me. One of the best things that God does is he places us with people who are different and will sometimes rub us up the wrong way. People who may sometimes wind us up. People who may sometimes may cause us to realize the reactions of our own hearts. And as we follow Jesus, we follow along with others. You know, those people will help us on our journey of following Jesus together. You know, many times at the most difficult times in my life, it has been the encouragement of a fellow brother and sister in the church that has helped me through it. That phone call, that piece of concern, the card through the door, the meal dropped round, those kind of things that we find that are quite normal in church. Encouraging one another on the way. But also some of the things that have helped me to be a follower of Jesus for the long term have been the people in church that challenged me. The people that said, why did you do this? Or the people that said, you're better than that. They, we expect better of you. Jesus calls us together as a team thing, not a solo effort. But also to follow means that I don't set the agenda. God does Following means not being in control. That's the interesting thing, isn't it? In life, we generally want to be in control of things. We want to be the center of our own story. We want to be the one that calls the shots, makes the decisions. And the thing is, following Jesus means surrendering to him. He becomes Lord, the boss of our life. And that means that following him means submitting to him. You know, Jesus, as we follow him, shows us the way. What I love is that Jesus doesn't just call the disciples and say, here's the book, go read it, go do it. And we can reduce sometimes a Christian life to that. Here's the book, read it and do it. But beyond understanding the word of God, there is also, and what the word of God points to is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just show them, tell them the way. He shows them the way. Jesus in John says, I am the way. He didn't just talk about a way, but he was the way. He is the way. And Jesus doesn't just tell us what to do. But he shows us, he models it. And as we follow after him, one of the great things is that following Jesus means that we're never alone. Even in those darkest times, even when maybe nobody else is physically there, if we're following Jesus, then he is present. He is present by his Holy Spirit. He is present and he is not silent. Following 
Jesus means that there is hope even in difficulty and there is presence even when we feel alone. But following also means leaving some stuff behind. We read in this account, don't we? Matthew got up and followed him. He heard the call of Jesus and he got up and he followed. At that moment in time, he took the decision to follow after Jesus. We can't follow Jesus unless we're prepared to leave some stuff behind. We need to be prepared to leave our old lives behind, to lead, leave behind our pride, our control, our sin. We need to be prepared to leave our old behind. It calls for a response of obedience, obedience to Jesus. How are you doing with following Jesus? How are you doing with leaving the old behind? You see, secondly, I want to say that we're called to leave our old reputation behind, but to bring our friends. And this is a really interesting thing. Verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. You see, Matthew invites his old friends to meet this Jesus who changed his life. And we often see that in the Bible. People encounter Jesus and they go and tell others and they want to bring their friends to encounter Jesus. Many of you may be familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. He was a guy that also was somebody who swindled people. He was a dishonest man. He encountered Jesus had his life changed. And what's one of the first things he did? He threw a party and said, Jesus, come and meet my friends. Part of following Jesus involves telling others. You know, very often we see in the Bible people opening up their homes and showing hospitality to others. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it, that as we follow after Jesus, our homes our places of work, the places that we socialize can become places where others meet Jesus. It was very normal that those who encountered Jesus wanted him to meet their friends. I don't know about when you, if you, you know, some of us here, the first time you met your spouse and that special feeling maybe or when you got to know them, or when you started going out with them. And what happens? You want your friends to meet them, don't you? You want them to meet this person that matters to you. And it's like that with following Jesus. We want to introduce our friends to the person who changed our lives. In the Bible, we see very often these two things. People meet with Jesus And they have two reactions. One is to go and tell, and the other is to invite people to come and see. And I like that because there's something about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means that we go and tell others what Jesus has done for us, and we invite them to come and see what Jesus is doing. We invite them to come and see what Jesus is doing. Maybe physically we can't introduce them to Jesus, but we can say, come and see what Jesus is doing through his body, the church. 
You know, come and see and go and tell. We want to create in our church a culture where everyone is confident about sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with others. Not just only relying on bringing people into a meeting so someone else can tell them, but that the whole church is equipped and confident in sharing Jesus. We want each person in this church to be able to confidently articulate what God has done for them and to point through the Bible to the Jesus who changed their lives. And if you're not confident in doing that, I want to say, please come and have a word with one of us. We'd love to take some time and take you on a journey of making you more confident in doing that. Being able to share what God has done in our lives and point people to Jesus. But also to say, come and see. At our church, we want to create a culture of invitation. A culture where people are confident in inviting others to come and see what God is doing in the church. It's why we have things like common space or what's the story or the cat course or whatever it is or the Friday lunch or, or just to socialize with people. What we want people to do is to see it's not just us. It's not just you being a nice person. But actually it's God at work, not just in you, but through the whole community of the church. It's why Sundays matter, because we want to give people an opportunity to come and see. Come and see. Come and hear good news. Come and see the church. You know, the Sundays isn't just what church is. In fact, many ways, it's just a shop window to the church. But, you know, many of us have been past shops, and if the window looks appalling, we never go in, right? And that's why it's important that our services reflect something of who God is and that they're welcoming and attractive to people whilst also honouring Jesus. I like the fact that he doesn't just bring his respectable friends to meet Jesus. Sometimes when, when we encounter Jesus and we're changed, we might be embarrassed about our past I love the fact that in the Gospels, people bring their friends, warts and all, to follow Jesus. It's an incredible thing. Jesus is quite happy to be downwardly mobile. Jesus is quite happy for you to invite your friends, shady characters, whatever it is. The church is never meant to be simply a country club for saints but it's a hospital for sinners. It's a place of healing for the wounded and the broken. It's a place where lives are restored and put to back together. When Jesus encounters us, when we meet him, when we follow him, he gives us a new sense of purpose. If you look in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20, we see how Simon Peter was called. It says there, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Following Jesus gives us a new sense 
of purpose. Let's just break that down, that sense of come, come. Jesus asks them to make a decision. It's not a question in some ways, it's a calling, come. But it's not just to a decision, but to follow me. Make the decision to follow after Jesus. And then the response, what happens because of that? He says, I will make. So we have the need to decide. We have the sense of journey. But then we have the fact that Jesus is at work, training, equipping, shaping. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. As we make the decision to come, as we take the step to follow, Jesus says, I will make. I will make. Jesus reconstructs us. Jesus changes us. We're made new, but we're given a purpose. And he says, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. I'm going to teach you how to share good news with others. So there's a calling There's a decision, there's a training process, and there's also task. And Jesus left his followers with a task to share good news with others. How are you doing with that today? Maybe you're here because somebody invited you, and we want you to know you are really welcome. And Jesus wants to invite you on a lifelong journey of following him. But for those of you who've been followers of Jesus for a while, how are you doing with sharing your faith? How are you doing with telling others about the great and wonderful Saviour you've met in Jesus? Are you learning the family business, which is to make disciples? Thirdly and lastly, the well don't need a doctor. Verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? This guy has his life changed. He invites others to follow Jesus. He invites people of questionable character to follow Jesus. And what happens? The religious leaders of the time, they look down on Jesus and they grab Jesus' disciples and say, why is Jesus hanging around with these miserable, unworthy, sinful people? And they say, why does Jesus hang out with bad people? It's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? You see, they defined who they were by their own goodness and the fact that they were better than others. And in fact, it was their false sense of moral standard that was holding them back at this point. You see, Jesus says he didn't come for those who are already righteous. Jesus doesn't come for the self-righteous. Jesus doesn't come for the good enough. And he simply says, it is not the well that need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the perfect that need a saviour. 
It's the imperfect, because there's only one perfect, and that is Jesus. He hits this nail head on. The healthy don't need a doctor. What's the sickness? The sickness is sin, because sin separates us from God. It's all the things that we do that are wrong, that are contrary to what God has created us for. And that sin brings separation, and it brings death. And Jesus came to break the power of those things. Jesus said, I don't come to the world to condemn it, but so that we could have life and life in all its fullness. The offer in following Jesus isn't to be good enough, but it's to find the one who is more than enough. It's to find the one who came that you could have life and life in all its fullness. By thinking that they were good enough, the, tax, the Pharisees were looking down and saying, who are these sinners following Jesus? And in reality, they were judging Jesus. And they were looking down at others. And Jesus says, you don't have the first clue what you're talking about. You see, Jesus' mission is summed up in what he said to the people that complained when he came to Zacchaeus's house, this other guy we talked about, who also had been a crook and a thief and had come to know Jesus. Jesus said to him, Today, Luke 19.10, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came on a mission. His mission was to seek and save the lost. And brothers and sisters, that's you and I. And what we need to do is respond to the call of Jesus to follow after him. Jesus loves the lost. Jesus loved them enough to go to them, to love them, and to win them. And I want to challenge us. How are we doing with loving the unlovable? How are we doing of loving the people around us? How are we doing with showing grace to those in need? If we're to follow after Jesus, as Matthew followed after Jesus, that means that we need to be people who embrace God's mercy ourselves, realize our own need and the fact that only Jesus can save us, but also we realize that in receiving mercy, we are called to be ambassadors of mercy. Brothers and sisters, you have been given a high, high calling to go and to share the good news of Jesus with others. That begins around your dinner table. It begins in your workplace or your school or your college. It begins with your neighbor. It begins with your husband, wife, brother, sister, mother, auntie, uncle, daughter, whatever those people in your life are. You are an ambassador of mercy. Let's go from here with a clear sense of following after Jesus and a willingness to do So I'm going to invite the band to come as we continue to worship. But I want to ask you, have you made the decision to follow Jesus? Have you ever made that choice? Not to simply pray a prayer, but to decide to follow him with your whole life. And if you have...
I want to ask you as we worship to think about how are you doing with the thing that he's called you to do, which is to go and to tell others. Do we take it seriously? Do we realize the need that people have for Jesus? And are we prepared to inconvenience ourselves for that cause? Let's pray and then we'll worship. Father, I just want to pray that you'd speak into each of our hearts. Lord, help us to follow wholeheartedly for the whole of life in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that we would go, Lord, as we go from here later today, we would go as ambassadors of mercy in Jesus' name.